0: Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Well, Father God, we thank you for today, for this day. We thank you for your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and we thank you for your word. And we pray you open your word to our hearts and to our spirits and enable us to understand you more, connect with you in a stronger way, and and learn how, Lord, to move in your presence. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're looking at the subject, which is hosting the presence, which is about how we connect with God. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 8 and verse 43. So if you have your Bibles with you, Luke chapter 8 and verse 43. Lovely. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And then the woman, seeing that she could no longer go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. She came up behind him and touched him. You see, the thing was that she sensed that something was available to her through touch. She she knew that Jesus carried on him, on his person, the power and the presence of God and that she could access that. She knew she could access it through touching his robe. It became for her a point of contact with God. It was as if, if only I could access that power, and I can do that if I could reach out my hand and just touch the hem of his cloak. I wouldn't be allowed to do that because he's a rabbi, and I'm a woman, and I'm a woman who's not well, and under Judaic law, i would be prohibited from coming anywhere near him unless, unless I make him unclean. But I know this is Jesus. And I'm going to reach out and I'm going to reach out and touch the hem of his robe because I believe that that's the access point to the power and the presence of God. She believed it was through touch. Question. What do you believe is your access point to the power and the presence of God? How do we connect with him how do we reach out and touch him so to speak we all have different access points and connection points and i think they are indicated through some of those sort of pivotal times in our christian lives and and i think for me i think the word of god was always a really powerful access point to god and it started very early in my Christian life. I remember when I was a very young Christian, I went to um, the youth club at, at Cromwell Baptist Church, which was an unusual youth club. It was like Made in Chelsea. Did you watch Made don't, I don't advise you to watch Made in Chelsea. But it was like Made in Chelsea, um, but worse. It was, <laughs> And it was... And, of course, I, I wasn't really used to that kind of culture. And I remember being, I went into the room, and there was a small group of them just sat, sat there talking. And it was, yeah, yeah, it was like a demon on the pitch, yeah, yeah. And I came up to them and I thought, no, I think I, <laughs> I, think I, won't, I won't do that. And I got grabbed by the arm and introduced to another group. And it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I just, and, hi. And so I said, this is Rob. Hi, Rob. And I said, um, hi, And they said, "Um, yeah, we've just been talking about um, Crimbo presents. We've just got a new Mazda, drives like the wind. What about you? What did you get, Rob? And I thought, I got this tank top that was knitted by my auntie Doris. It was knitted originally for Cousin Kevin, but it was too baggy. So I've got this tank top. But you may have noticed, by chance, it's actually in British Racing Green, which makes it more of a sporting number rather than those casual casual. And they sort of looked at me as if to say, oh... What else did you get? Conjunctivitis. I got conjunctivitis, which I have to say, um, you know, as a Christmas present, is a sight for sore eyes. It <laughs> <coughs> didn't go down very well. And so I went, oh no, terrible. So I went to, and I, I was, actually, then I was introduced to Tim, who was our youth group leader, who was a, a 47 year old investment banker and a millionaire by inheritance. And I said to him, I don't think I'm fitting in. I don't think I could fit in with the group. And he said, no, don't worry about it, just keep coming. And it was, you know, it was very, very difficult because of their lifestyle, their whole experience of life was, was totally different to mine. But you know, the one thing that happened in that group that was quite interesting was that I love the word of God and so did they. And there was a connection there. And in fact, not only was there a connection with them, but there was a connection with God as well. I think, I think they were lovely people. In fact, we got on really well. in the I think I became a little bit of a project for them. You know. I think if they were ever asked, you know, what did, you, what, did you do anything for charity or for poor people? Well, we got Rob, you know, so it was, it was that kind of thing. So but they, they were lovely people. And I remember sitting in the Bible studies just being passionate about the word of God because I'd met with God through his word. And you see, i have read the Bible before I became a Christian. And in some ways, I was being called to him through his word. And then when I became a Christian, I was passionate about his word. And then when I became filled with the Spirit, I was passionate about his word. And it was my way, if you like, of reaching out and touching the hem of his cloak. And I think it's really important for us as Christians... To notice what our connecting points are with the Lord. How do we connect with God? Well, let's just turn our attention briefly just to um, Peter. Because at some point, about one point, about Acts chapter 5, we won't actually go into it just in, in detail, but the people believed that the presence of God was so on Peter that all he required to do was to either get a piece of his clothing as they did with Paul or that Peter's shadow should actually cross them because they believed that the presence of God was with Peter to heal and therefore they knew there was no substance in the shadow but they thought that merely that point of contact, if there was any kind of point of contact with him, there would be, if you like, this breakthrough in their lives. And it says in the Bible, as a result, people brought sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. And crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits. And all of them, all of them who were under the shadow were healed because they believed that that was their access point. This was their connection, if you like. For me, it was the word of God. It's how I searched for him. It's how I found him. It's how he speaks to me. It's how he speaks to others through me. It's through his word. In Paul's ministry, where God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hand of Paul, it was pieces of Paul's clothing that were taken to the sick and the lame. And people were genuinely healed, powerfully healed. In fact, it says of Paul's miracles that God was now doing in Acts chapter 5 extraordinary sorry in Acts chapter 21, extraordinary things through the life of Paul, through the hand of Paul. Extraordinary miracles, not ordinary miracles, but extraordinary miracles. And this happened because people again attributed that if they could only hold on to a piece of cloth or a handkerchief or part of his apron or something that belonged to Paul. They could connect, therefore, to the power of God. We need to learn what our connection points are. What is it that channels our faith? What is it that enables us to attribute to ourselves all that God wants for us, all that he has for us? I think in our lives... We've got things that we attribute. We've got things which are connecting points, if you like, by which we believe, we believe we can access the presence of God. During the 1920s, um, one of the founding members of the American Pentecostal movement, a lady called Amy Sample McPherson, used to travel around the country, used to travel in the United States with her two children. And they used to go in a car and they would travel around, and she had two children, Roberta and Ralph, and um, and they would go off, and she would do crazy things, and go off to sort of tent meetings, and hold all these kind of rallies, and she would preach for hours, and people would get healed, and loads of people would come forward and be healed, and she would just go off, and not really have any sort of plan, or, and on one occasion, as they were driving along, they were right in the middle of nowhere, um, sort of in the plains of the, of the sort of um, North American sort of Midwest, if you like. Um, and they were miles from any town and miles from anywhere where they could go. And the car suddenly broke down. And I thought, hmm, this is going to be a bit of a challenge because we are a long, long way away from anyone else. And so Amy McPherson said to her children, we're going to do what we normally do on the, on the platform. We're just going to walk around the car seven times. So they walked around the car seven times. And then she said, now what we're going to do is we're going to lay hands on the tyre we're going to lay hands on it, just as mum lays hands on people in the meetings and they get raised up. We're going to lay hands on this tyre and we're going to see it get raised up. And they laid their hands on the tyre. And interestingly enough, the two children, Ralph and, and what's the other one, um, Roberta, said that when they saw that flat tyre just inflate supernaturally under the prayers of, her, of their mother, and stay inflated until they got to the town, that was a better miracle, a bigger miracle, than anything else they'd seen in her ministry. But the point was that she got them to do what she does normally. She got them to do what they had seen her do and had seen the Holy Spirit work through her on the platform time and time and time again. And for them to lay hands on something and to pray was their point of contact with the Holy Spirit. It was how they believed they could access the power of God. Because their faith then could rise up and it could connect with that. And I think we really need to know how we're going to connect with the Lord. And it may be for some, it may be that you connect through the Word of God. Or it may be that in your Christian life, if you look back, it's actually not connecting with the Word, but maybe it's prayer times, or it's worship that's the real connector for you, or it's witnessing, or it's... Is some aspect or fellowship, even, but some aspect of of Christian life that for us becomes, if you like, the means by which we can access His presence. One of the key ways in which um, we understand the presence of Jesus is to know that we need to recognize and sense where God is moving and and if you like to see if we can connect with that pray into that be part of that if we can see where God is at work and I want to take you to Luke chapter 2 because this is a time of year when we often look at this passage of scripture and it's the boy Jesus in the temple the boy Jesus in the temple Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. And thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. And then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends And when they didn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. It's the only reference in the whole of the New Testament where Joseph is regarded as father. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Isn't that interesting? In other words, what Jesus is saying to them is, I'm not lost. In fact, if anything, you're the ones that are lost. But they didn't understand what he was saying to them. And he went down to Nazareth with them, was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with both God and men. To try and put this into context, imagine coming home from school when you were younger. If you can remember, we're <laughs> going back a few years. Imagine coming home from school if you were 12 years old, the age of Jesus, and your parents say, where have you been? We've been looking everywhere for you. We'd up and down the streets, talking to the neighbours, talking to people. We couldn't find you anywhere. Where have you been? We almost contacted the police. And you'd say, well, I was at school. It's where I should be. It's where I'm supposed to be. Why did you think I was lost? This is where you find me. We've got to find, we've got to remind ourselves about where it is that we find him. Where is he? (laughs) Sometimes people will ask that. Ah, can I find God? Where is he? Why have you been searching for me? If you really want more of my presence... If you really want to know me better, if you really want to share your life with me, then know that I am about my father's business. I'm about my father's business. That's where we can find him. When I was a kid, on a few rare occasions, my dad would take me to work with him. Dad was a mechanic and a truck driver. And it was exciting getting up in a big diesel smelling truck me comics, about 10 years old. And we would stop quite early on at the Greasy Spoons for a full English, life-threatening breakfast. And because Dad wasn't a very good driver, we would normally have some kind of altercation with a car owner, in which Dad would liken them to a sea crustacean, and if forced to, would come down and do things to them anatomically, but I didn't quite understand. And then he would drive into the depots, and Dad would joke and laugh with the guys, and then close the windows and tell me privately what he really thought of the foreman. And dad was always quite politically minded. He had strong, quite strong political views. He was traditional working class, didn't have two pennies to rub together, but never voted Labour. And I said, so I said, to, him at one, I said to him at one point, I said, why, I'm not a Labour activist really. I said, why do not you vote Labour? He said, oh, well, I don't want to vote for them. They're just for people that are on, that are on benefits. I said, you're on benefits. You've been on benefits for years. But he was, it wasn't his aspiration. He didn't want to be on benefits. His aspiration was to own his own business, so therefore he voted conservative, you see. And um, and so that was where he was. And he loved Tommy Cooper. He'd met Tommy Cooper on the beach in Brighton for three minutes. And he used to say, Tommy Cooper and I are like that. I said, You just met him for three weeks, he doesn't know who you are. <laughs> you only met him for three weeks, but he loved him for three, three weeks, three minutes. Um, and he was a great fan of Tommy Cooper. And as we were driving along, he'd break into a sort of Tommy Cooper joke. He would go, not like that. He said, Doctor, I went to the doctor's the other day. I said, Doctor, whenever I do that, it hurts. He said, well, don't do it then. And, um, and it would be like a string of Tommy Cooper jokes would come out. And um, we'd have quite a laugh. And I discovered, just in those moments, and I was only, a thing, I think, about 10 years old, that if I really wanted to know my dad and get to know him... And understand him and who he was I needed to be about his business and that was really about understanding who he really was and interestingly Jesus says the same thing about the father doesn't he he says if you really want to find me and find where I am you should know that I'm about my father's business you should know that when you engage with the things that I've, ca- I've called you to engage in, when you get into the things that, that I'm into, when you are in the word and when you're in prayer and when you're sharing your faith with people, when you are doing my business, that's where you will find and connect with me. Because otherwise we're just rushing around Jerusalem trying to find him and not being very satisfied. But in fact, we really want to know his presence. If you really want to know him better, we need to be about his business. We need to find the things where we can truly connect with God. And I think every single believer has that connecting point. I think they're different. It's interesting, isn't it? This woman touches the hem of his robe, but there aren't many people in the Gospels who were healed by the touching of his robe, even though in Mark chapter 5 it says that many were trying to touch his robe. They, they kind of learnt that this was a means, but it wasn't really the connecting point for them. It's whatever it is that you feel connects you, gives you access to the Spirit of God. That's the thing. That's the thing that we need. And for you, like me, it might be the Word of God, or it might be prayer, or it might be something. But wherever your expectation lies, that's what the Holy Spirit can move on. And that is where Jesus would say to him, your faith has made you well. Now go. In peace. Let's pray. Lord we're reminded of the time when Jesus was in the temple. Of that time when. Mary and Joseph were searching for him. Because they hadn't realized. That he had to be about his father's business. We're reminded of the times when people reached out and touched Jesus. And we pray that we would learn something of ourselves, how we reach out and how we touch the hem of your robe. Amen.